Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome to the broadcast today. Over the next few shows, we're going to be addressing kind of a hot topic issue that is is hitting not only the broader culture, but also the church culture and it's the issue of social justice, um, and closely tied to that is the issue of racism, um, and of course, um, all the issues on sexuality. Before we get into the subject matter today, Russ had suggested off um, off the air that we kind of give the perspective where each one of us is coming from, um, so that you could uh, just kind of understand kind of the lenses that we are bringing to the table. Um, so. With saying that, Russ, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself first and, you know, how this subject kind of um, first came on your radar. Okay, so the shocking news is I'm white, um, but my mom actually, her side of the family came from the, the Middle East, and so my extended family would be um, Middle Eastern in descent. Um, we used to joke around that around 9-11 that when they put up the those that were involved in in that uh, uh, those that were involved in the hijacking and all and it, it looked like our family tree um, and so I grew up in a small rural um, community in Iowa um, clearly darker in complexion than all of my classmates um, and just from the nature of kids uh, a lot of comments were made um, about myself and and my siblings um, about our our complexion, um, so I I kind of understood what it meant to, to look a little bit different and to be singled out uh, because of that. Um, I don't feel like I grew up in a a racist home, even though my mom's side of the family was extremely um, racist, um, which is an odd dynamic that they had been on the receiving end of racial comments and then they were very racist against um, black people and um, but my dad's side of the family was not my dad actually went to Moody Bible Institute in in the 1950s and had a good friend that was uh, a black man from the Chicago area and they wanted to room together in the college at that point um, with segregation being in full swing at that point in the country said no that that was against college policies, uh, and my dad went to the president's office and demanded that he room with Richard and um, was allowed. So could be that my dad was one of the first people to be in a, a, a situation where there was interracial housing at a college campus in the United States. So, And they maintained that friendship until Richard died. And so I knew Richard as, as a friend as well, and he was involved. He was an excellent pianist, a professional pianist, and was involved in some of the, the weddings of our family. So I don't feel like I grew up um, harboring racist ideas and thoughts. Um, ironically, when I was dating my wife, 
um, one of her aunts, our great aunts, said to um, another relative about me, he's kind of a darkie, was the exact phrase. So I, I, get, I get that that is alive and well, and well in America, um, but I'm a history major, and, and I, I, I do believe I know an accurate depiction of, of what has happened um, as a result of, of race, um, not only in our own country, but throughout um, history, throughout um, the the world that we live on, and I, I think I'm sensitive to that. So I am going to confess that I, I don't know fully what people of, of different ethnic backgrounds have experienced, um, but I think I'm aware of, of some of the difficulties that that can create, and hopefully I'm sensitive to that. Um, but at the same time, I do speak as a white person, and um, hopefully not influenced by that, but it is, it is the perspective from which I come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Phil Moran here, Christ Presbyterian Church. <clears throat> and uh, I, I also, uh, although you can't see me as you're listening on your, on your radio, I am a thoroughly white guy. Um, I did have the blessing of uh, growing up in a Christian home, and uh, that, that blessing has shaped my life in, in a lot of ways. And, and one of the ways that it did shape me as a youngster, although we certainly, you know, because we were a kind of a, we were a Christian family and also in many ways a typical middle-class white American family <clears throat> who lived in a, a little white community, a little tiny town and farm country in the San Joaquin Valley of California. Um, but I did grow up uh, in a context where my parents taught very clearly and my church taught very clearly that racism is sin. And it's just not to be tolerated in the heart or mind of the Christ- or actions of the Christian. And um, in fact, as I recall, uh, my boyhood, the only time, and this was a rare, it was a rare punishment in my family to be sent away from the dinner table. And the only time that it ever happened to me was when I used, uh, and I. Uh, had just picked it up on the playground or whatever, I used a racial epithet at the dinner table. And I kind of was at the age where I kind of thought it was cool or something, or I had just heard it on the playground that day. Well, the reaction of my parents was the same as if I had used the most vile, vile swear word at the table. And uh, believe me, that never happened again. Uh, the, the, wrath, the wrath fell. Uh, so anyway, I, I, I count myself blessed from that, but I also want to acknowledge my blind spots uh, because I am a, a, a white person who, who grew up in a white, pretty white middle-class context. Um, I, I, I want to be the first to admit uh, that I don't know, I, I, I cannot fully understand. I, I need to do a lot of listening, and I have learned a lot uh, over my life. Uh, because God, obviously, over the years has brought into my path and into my friendships uh, people of different ethnic backgrounds, black and Hispanic and Asian. and uh, So I've had the opportunity to learn and, and listen. And uh, so I, I hope and, and pray uh, that I can uh, bring, bring, something to the, bring something to the table in this discussion, but admit my blind spots. 
Well, I'm Josh Bales. Um, I'm also white. Um, you know what, though? I'm, I'm actually not going to apologize for that. Not that either one of you guys did. Um, but just from the very beginning, you know, Acts chapter 17, Paul, when he's preaching at Athens Hill, he says that God made from one man all of mankind to dwell on the face of the earth, having determined their allotted periods and the boundaries and places in which they dwell. Mm -hmm. So all of us are here at this time in Boise, Idaho, in this century, and we have this particular ethnicity because God sovereignly made it so. And that's true for every single human being on the planet. And I think we need to remember, I need to remember that because I think one of the things that happens in culture today is there's a lot of um, what's called white guilt heaped up on, on people. And I think that's unfortunate um, <coughs> because God made every man and every woman ex the exact way that he wanted to make them. So um, I grew up in a home here in Boise. I'm a Boise native. Um, I've uh, never lived anywhere else. So I have a very, um, you know, m my friends are very homogenous. They're just not a lot of um, different color um, people here, although Boise is getting bigger. I will say that I married um, a, a beautiful Hispanic woman. Her name is Monica. Her, her first name is actually Maria, full on, you know, Hispanic name. When I sat down to um, ask her parents for permission to marry her, interesting thing happened. Her mom had said, um, now you you understand that she's Hispanic, right? And I, I laughed a little bit um, because it's so obvious. I mean, you, you can't deny that. But the reason why her mom asked that was because Monica had experienced racism in her, her dating life. And uh, they just wanted to make sure that there wasn't going to be a problem between her family and our family because we're coming from very different perspectives. But you know what? Both of us love Jesus. Both of us love Jesus Christ. And this right. is one of the benefits of the gospel in Ephesians 2, right after that famous passage, for by grace are you saved through faith. Um, he then tells us what happens to us when we come into the body of Christ. The wall of separation is, is broken down between Jew and Gentile and between every race. And so race wasn't um, an issue for us getting married. Now, having said that, um, I've not experienced a lot of the racism um, that either our Hispanic friends or our black friends have. And so I, I do come at this conversation with a little bit of a disadvantage, but I just will say one more thing on this issue before we get started. And it, it's this, one of the rules in the social justice movement today is that unless you have the perspective of being um, treated as an inferior race, then you have to shut up, you have to put your hand over your mouth and you can't say anything about it. And that's unbiblical. Um, when the Bible says that it's sufficient for all of life and for all of godliness, that means that um, it can speak into these issues mm -hmm. and we have the obligation, especially as pastors, to speak regardless of what color we are. Sure. Um, so that's, that's, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to add a, a, a quick caveat. Um, I appreciate the work, much of the work of, of Martin Luther King Jr., and I think I understand fully what he meant when he said that he was hoping for a colorblind um, society. Um, I get the the premise of, of his argument. Um, however, I actually don't want to be colorblind um, because I think that the diversity that God has created is a beautiful thing, and I want to see it, and I want to acknowledge yep. it, and I want to experience it. And so I don't... Um, I don't advocate for the same thing as far as that terminology. I, I understand what he's saying, that race should not be the criteria by which we judge somebody else, um, that that judgment is, is, is beyond the, the, the framework of race. 
but I, I think we need to embrace the beauty of the, the diversity that God has <clears throat> created and, and acknowledge that it is from God um, and, and rejoice in it um, mm-hmm. and not be afraid of it. Well, that's right. And, and in fact, I think the, the Christian, in a way, is in a very unique position to be able to embrace and celebrate the diversity that God has created because we recognize that, that this is God's intention. It's not a mistake. But we also recognize, and <clears throat> Josh quoted the scripture a minute ago from <clears throat> the book of Acts, where the Apostle Paul said he has made from one man, or another, another translation says he has made from one blood every race under heaven. Uh, so racial, ethnic diversity is not an accident. It is God's good intention and God intends for us to embrace it and and enjoy it. That's right. Well, um, we have about a minute to go here, so I want to go ahead and plug the conference that's coming up, which is a pretty radical transition from what we've been talking about. But we don't have time to get anything else. But it's not radical in the fact that our the first topic is union with Christ. Yes. And if we understand union with Christ, that means that we're also in, in union with our brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of whether they're male, female, black, white, brown, whatever you want to, whatever categories you want to throw out there. Yeah. Our union in Christ blurs all of that. That's yep. right. Amen. Yeah, and that is the first session. There's going to be four sessions. Our union with Christ, our assurance in Christ, our obedience to Christ, and then, of course, the return of Christ. We're talking about the Reformation Boise Conference coming up in November. It's going to be November 8th and 9th. We have two great speakers Mark Jones and Cornelis Venema. I believe that they were interviewed and put on the... Actually, I think they're going to be on the broadcast this week. Um, But anyway, um, go to ReformationBoise.com. You can find out all the information there about the conference as well as register. You're not going to want to miss it. It's November 8th and 9th. ReformationBoise.com. We'll talk to you next time. (laughs) 